listeners, welcome back to LIP, the Lost in Postulation podcast. I'm Nicola Volpi, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, also known as Harvey Wilson, coming in on a night train to record this, Neil Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah, you see, this is what happens when you get too worked up about movies, and you just start dropping names of movies without, uh, without a care in the world. And rewriting them. Yeah, the, the eagle-eyed listener will have noticed there was a paragraph towards the bottom of the last episode, which was just a mountain of corrections, most of which uh, were needed for my, for my sake. Co-creation. So co-creation i have to apologize i'm gonna keep myself on a shorter leash this time i'm gonna take fewer punts on the names of things people facts uh, you name it and uh, yeah keep this keep this ship a little bit more under control than last week but that's uh that's a funny part you know of the journey that i've noticed while while we've been podcasting we're very sharp uh at catching things in the beginning i think we're quite sharp throughout in mm. terms of like what we're bringing but there is this point like halfway through a big segment where we're kind of just in this zone, yeah. you know? Mm. And where you can say Harvey Wilson instead of Charlie Wilson. <laughs> Charlie Wilson. <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, it is shocking, actually, yeah. And you can be 100% sure of something in the moment, and then five seconds pass, and you're like, oh, my God, that's totally wrong. And then yeah. the moment is gone, and we're on to something else. So. Daniel Kaluuya, best lead actor. Best supporting. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Again, I did, <laughs> I did make a, a severe number of mistakes. Just shows what little I know about the Oscars, really. But... Here we are, all the same, we're back once again. And it did reinforce our narrative, actually, the correction that when you're below 40, you're basically not allowed to win Best Lead Actor. You pretty much need to come back and try again in 10 years' time. That's <laughs> exactly. That seems to be the rule, yeah. Exactly. There you go. There we are, there we are. So we're here today. We got a, we got a fun one uh, lined up for you guys. It kind of it kind of came together uh, in, a, in a bit of a, of a hectic fashion. Mm, uh, mm. But, uh, but we managed to find... Uh, a red thread through uh, through the topics, uh, but before that, we're going to lead with our mundane postulation. Indeed, we are, and it's one that's really on the top of everyone's mind these days. We're talking right now about holidays, and the reason for that is first and foremost, here we are at the end of March, and everyone is starting to look a bit forward now to mm. uh, to the summer holidays, to what they've got planned. Uh, let's not get into our own plans necessarily. That's not what we're here to talk about. But what I am here to ask you about, Nicola, is your preferences with regard to holidays. Because this can actually be a quite divisive topic, even leading, in some cases, to the end of relationships. The if, end? Yeah. If, if some couples are, are like severely apart on this, it's like a, a deal breaker that they wow. never get past. But what I'm going to ask you, first and foremost, is one of the classic dichotomies of holidays. And I'm talking, mm. of course, about the beach holiday versus the city holiday. Now, and to, to clarify, yeah. both equal durations, let's say it can be a week and a week, or it can be two weeks and two weeks, but what I want to know is, for you, which of those two is better? It's a tough one, uh, and it is a very different type of holiday. For me, it's not just a preference thing. Uh, it's also one where we're divided within the household at times, me and Maria. So I one is more restorative, regenerative, uh, in a way, like... If you're taking the beach holiday pure and simple, just mm. lying on the beach, reading your book, getting your energies back, you know, napping in the sun. Mm. Whereas the the city trip, let's say, especially if you're going to a new city you haven't been before, uh, can be more, what's the word, enriching. Yeah. You know, mm. from from a cultural perspective or whatever, you come away, you know, having learned more. Uh, about something else about another culture or whatever whereas maybe the beach holiday you're coming away you know 
having gotten in touch with your deeper self. But this is what I'm wondering, right? I wish I was one of those people who can do that. And it sounds like you're you're lucky enough that you can come away from a beach holiday and actually have felt that you spent your time well, right? There's a time limit though for me. As, for sure. For a anyone, I'm sure there is yeah. as well. But the issue I have, and the reason I can't understand beach holidays to, to any extent really, is that pretty much from moment one, from day one, moment one of a beach holiday, I'm suffering basically, or at least you're restless. I'm both physical and physically and mentally suffering physically because I burn instantly, unfortunately, oh. by, by terribly Irish skin. Yeah. And I've even seen that. You have, yeah, firsthand. And then the issue is no, no amount of factor 50 is kind of enough. In It's sooner or later, it's, it's going to either miss a spot or it's going to wear off. Yeah. So it's basically a stressful time altogether. But then on top of that, it just feels tragically unproductive for me. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not like a workaholic, you know, I'm definitely not like someone who just like works weekends and evenings, you know, compulsively. Right. I'm definitely not but for me if I'm going to take the time off work and going to get out of the country and go somewhere else it better well be somewhere new somewhere like interesting that I can actually like to see new parts of the world basically mm. so that for me the beach holiday then just suffers massively in, in my enjoyment and I, I find myself resenting almost every moment of it no I can understand that and it's like I get very restless very easily so I've grown to appreciate that beach holiday but I certainly can do it two weeks straight, even if you're changing the beaches. And one week is already on the limit. Like mm. I'm kind of ready to go after that. Yeah. Um, I like it. And then, so if, if you tell me, depending on the amount of days, uh, the, I'll take the right city at five days over mm. a beach holiday. Mm. Um, the, the interesting thing about city trips is there's two very different kinds of city trips in my mind. There's the totally new city you've never been before mm. city trip uh, which especially the first few days can also be quite draining because mm. everything is new so it's those kind of like let's say first three days of a trip that you feel like you've been gone two weeks yeah, right yeah um there's the going back to a city where you've already done all the touristy stuff mm-hmm and the pace is totally different you can just kind of hang uh you know go to visit a bunch of more organize it you know depending what you like around the food or stuff like this. You don't yeah. need to go take the pictures of all the monuments. And that actually, what I found, ends up being the sweet spot. Absolutely. Yeah. I was actually just going to say, I, I thought it just occurred to me, which is who needs tourist stuff? Like, mm. I can't think of one time I went to a city and did the touristy stuff. I was like, so glad I did the touristy right. stuff. You know? It's usually quite underwhelming. Absolutely. Like, and no offense to Rome, but like all the top touristy parts there, Colosseum, for Romano, you name it. <laughs> yeah. Those were the lowlights of our time in Rome. And the highlights were, of course, the food. Like food, yeah, the drink. food, the culture, talking to some people. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So the more I think of it, I'm like city trip all the way and just skip, the, skip the, all the tourists. So, you know, it's the same here in Copenhagen. Like the yeah. amount of people who head out to the Little Mermaid only to find it's tragically disappointing. Yeah. It's, Here, uh, here's one for you. What is the yeah. bigger disappointment? The Little Mermaid in Copenhagen yeah. or the mannequin piss, the little boy peeing in Brussels? I think the, own, the, the winner here is... The, the more disappointing is Little Mermaid because mm. for some reason it actually gets hyped up as being something good, like beautiful or, or whatever, yeah. where it's really, really not. The thing with Mannequin Piss is anyone who tells you about it, even like the guidebooks and stuff, they already say uh, Europe's most underwhelming statue or like the most disappointing. Everyone's in on the joke. Yeah, everyone yeah. knows, right? And then yeah. you get there and it's actually kind of cool in a weird way. Yeah. Like uh, I lived in Brussels for a year and would take people by it. Also, it's quite close to Grand Place. So you yeah. can just kind of swim. And they by. decorate it. 
Yeah, all the time. You know, they do, yeah. He does a Paddy's Day leprechaun version. He has uh, all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Brussels, who when uh, when we do the LIP uh, city chaos rankings, will definitely be oh, in contention oh, for the top. I'm holding spot. that one back because I've got some got some thoughts on that. I'm actually heading to Brussels this weekend as well, so I'll be careful not to uh, good man ruffle any feathers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll be uh, just about uh, an hour and a half north of you in Rotterdam. Hey, yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah, the second city of the Netherlands. One of the biggest logistics hubs in the world. How about that? Absolutely. Exciting. I think biggest port in Europe. I think so. Bigger than Hamburg Comfortably, even. actually. The thing is like a city in itself. Yeah. yeah. That's unreal. Well, there you go. Jeez, yeah. that wasn't <laughs> where we intended to go. But, uh, we went at the slightly off piste, but speaking of pistes, yeah. oh. you posed to me the question, city trip or beach trip? I did. What if I told you that I would take a mountain trip? Mm any day and i'm talking let's let's even it out so for the summer i'll take the mountain trip any day over this that i think it puzzles me a bit and you're not alone like i've heard people talking about this and particularly in the context of the melting snow that we have now across europe where the ski season gets shorter and shorter these mountain holidays are becoming more of a real thing actually where you go not to ski but to be in the mountain and to do mountainy stuff like hiking or <laughs> tobogganing or whatever i don't know so i think you need snow to go tobogganing no no, no not oh, sorry not tobogganing but you know those like snow free toboggans like they're like a metal track that runs down the mountain oh yeah yeah and sure. you just like sit in it and you crank the yeah, with like wheels on yeah, yeah exactly it's like a summer luge basically exactly yeah, yeah but so ski resorts now who are particularly low in yeah. terms of meters above sea level are having to look into these kind of things now and that has a bit of an appeal and i could see it but i think you're just ahead of the curve here because personally that strikes me as similar to a beach holiday that you're going to be in nature and nature's great you're going to be enjoying that but just tragically not getting input like you're going to be spending each day consuming stuff i guess which is going to be books or nature or whatever Mm. but there's not going to be like newness or like novelty to you which for me i think is is key okay i see where you're going but keep in mind the versatility of the activities you can do in the mountains in the okay, summer, well, right? Me, because yeah. you can hit your your little luge thing, right? Which which you good, were mentioning. By the way, we need to get the the proper name for that one okay. down. But you can mountain bike. Mm-hmm. You can hike, of course. I mean, that's that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. You can climb. I mean, there's there's so oh. much uh, you can do to not, especially if you're restless. So like me, I love to be active and and sporty and in the nature during the holidays. Okay. For me, that's amazing. But then you can be you master of productivity you can be very productive with whatever that activity is until a bit after lunchtime or maybe up until lunchtime then have a wonderful lunch in the sun right because you're closer to the sun um and then you can relax and spa Uh in the afternoon do those types of things go to your beloved sauna for example yeah 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 and uh, you kind of get the best of both worlds in terms of relaxation yeah. and you know physical exertion and now is this like at what would be a ski resort in the winter or is it just anywhere yeah. okay yeah. okay so you go you would go back to where you do actually where you do actually ski i, I do you, that okay yeah yeah I well do that. i think i shouldn't knock it until i try it it has it has an appeal or it's it's sounding reasonably interesting here but then again i just i'm hesitant you know because the mm. city trip is the goat for me 100 like a new city just throw me in there and i'll uh I'll i be think fine. it's it's where you can experience the most uh, and and learn the most for sure. There, mm-hmm. there, I'm totally aligned with you. I mean, also like as you know, I'm writing a lot of pieces uh, when yeah. when I travel, and a big part of that is the people I meet along the way mm-hmm. and what I hear from them. 
like yeah. these firsthand accounts to, to connect with the local culture. Of course, yeah. you're going to get a lot more of that in the city than climbing up a mountain mm. uh, and or lying on a beach with and other I tours. It still comes back to your first point, which is there's two types of holidays. And one of them is about mm. expanding your horizons and the other is about kind of pinning them, if anything, you know, like... Right. Uh, just it's kind of removing distractions and saying it's just me and the me and nature here for the next yeah. one. And and that's funny actually. There's this very interesting phenomenon, and it's not you know it's not to offend anyone, but it's not really my thing. Mm. Um, so last winter, Maria and I we uh, we went off to Lanzarote for two months, and mm. we we set up shop there, and we worked from there, and then on the weekends we would enjoy the beach, whatever. But a big thing we noticed there is these places are essentially colonies uh, mm. of. English people, Irish, German, uh, where even the supermarkets sell the food they have at home. Mm -hmm. The restaurants are the ones they would would have at home. So everything is done in a way to not be bothered by experiencing the local culture at all. The only variable that changes for them versus home is that the sun is shining stronger. Literally, yeah. That type of holiday. Yeah, Yeah. I I think we can agree that people should move away from that. True, yeah. Or it's like, if what is it you're actually wanting here? Like, what's the right. product you're buying? And if it's just to be in the sun, then okay, let's. And you're being honest about that, then that's fine. But that's a very expensive way just to warm up a little bit, you know. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it, there's so much more. And then again, it's it's all about your tolerances and what you like. And also, you know, comfort zone is a big thing for people. Indeed. And I'm not going to judge anyone, you know. Uh, if someone's about to go off to the same place that they've gone for the last ten years and they love that and that's cool, then absolutely do it. I'm just saying, for me, for for my preference, that would be un, undoable. Top city trip? Uh, Tokyo, all the way. Tokyo? Yeah. You, I mean, you can it's spend uh, 10 years in Tokyo exactly. and only see one part of it, right? 100%. Like 33 million people. You need to like deeply prioritize your time and like know what you want to do, but you basically can't go wrong. At least in my experience, like mm. any day you spend in Tokyo, you're going to have a brilliant time yeah. and you'll never run out of stuff to do, see, eat, drink, whatever. And that's the thing about those like sprawling metropolises is they have so many different faces to them. Yeah. Like take yeah. even New York, for example, like mm-hmm. whether you're going in Sunnyside, Queens, or up to Harlem, or or into Brooklyn, mm. or downtown Manhattan, it is different cities. Yeah, 100%. all within the same, you know. Space. And more and more, going to Manhattan now, it's like you have to get out of Manhattan because it's just so expensive. Exactly. Like you have to get to Queens or Brooklyn just exactly. to, to experience more of it. Yeah. But yeah. geez, we've yeah, uh, what a wide-ranging little mundane postulation this has turned out to be. We normally spend something in the region of like eight to ten minutes. I yeah. think we've probably blown through About that. About fifteen, yeah. Well, so there listeners, go. there you go. Uh, hopefully. That gives you some input for your upcoming spring and summer holidays. Absolutely. And if nothing else, what I'd be interested to hear from the listener is we've outlined basically three types of holidays, which mm-hmm. is city, beach, and, and mountain. Is there another type of holiday? And I'm not saying let's open it up again, but if the listener is going to come back and say, well, actually there is, and it's XYZ, I'd be very interested to hear that. Let's hear that. And and listeners, you can send those in as usual at lostinpostulation at gmail.com. That is our email account. Or you can tweet at us. That's at inpostulation. Uh, now, again, as mentioned last week, for those of you listening on Spotify, mm. uh, we're going to throw out polls and uh, and various Q&As at the bottom of each episode for you to interact with us on. It's almost like Spotify made it for us, purpose-built. It's so, it's so perfect for our, it's unreal. for our concept. It's so, all about the postulations. It just is more and more. But there we go. Jeez, I guess it's probably time to get into our mainline postulation of the episode. We've got to. So let's take a quick break and jump right back in with one of those. Uh, 
and welcome back again, listener, and welcome back to the main postulation of our show, as we like to call it. What we're interested in getting into now in this next section, we had a little bit of trouble at first defining exactly what it was, but we found a nice way to put it together, and that's what I'm going to quickly explain to you now. So we had a number of topics in the realm of TV in particular that Mm -hmm. we felt were ripe for postulation, ripe for discussion, and we're going to go through them now. But the one theme that happens to draw them all together, and honestly, it's it's mainly coincidence, is the, the topic of endings, of things coming to an end. So what you'll notice here as we move through these topics is we're going to be talking about some shows which have ended, some shows which are going to end, some shows which uh, haven't ended but might soon, and some who have, uh, as we'll find later on, maybe lost um, some of their co- their leading stars along the way. Yeah. But in any case, before we get into that uh, more serious topic, let's start with one that's a bit more current, a bit more lighthearted as well, despite the heavy nature of the show, <laughs> which is, of course, uh, The Last of Us, which uh, we've loved all the way through. Yeah, we've loved it all the way through. We're about, you know, a week, 10 days removed uh, from uh, from the ending of it. Um, I was uh, I was getting a bunch of messages, you know, while I was away uh, on my honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, first three episodes dropped. Hey, you got to watch this, of course, also from you. Yeah. Uh, then I got into it. I got caught up, I think, with the first four. And then I was current for the for the rest. And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, uh, you know, normally that is not a show I would watch when it's zombie, when it's based on video game. It's just there there was there's and it's more speaks to me in terms of the personal stigma I had around those things in mm. terms of that content creation. But uh, again, like I said in our pop culture roundup episode nine, uh, blown away by the, the storytelling. 100 percent. And for me, I think. I was relieved a bit by the ending to see how faithfully it, it tracked the game because in many mm. ways it's quite a grim ending. I think like a lot of people were shocked, even having seen the horrors of the series all the way through, they were particularly shocked by just how horrible the ending was. If, if you remember, there was a lot of like cold-blooded, uh, yeah, especially from Joel. He was. Let's he was, call out uh, just spoiler warning yeah, for yeah, anybody that hasn't that. watched and yeah, watched yeah. it. If you haven't, I mean, you're, yeah. you're really missing out. Get on there, get on HBO. Uh, it was fantastic, I think, all the way through. We discussed a little bit in the prep here, when exactly did it peak? Mm. And I distinctly remember, I think I might have said it on the show or else I said it offline. After episode three, I loved, loved, loved episode three and thought it was phenomenal. Emmy's right. in the bag for for all involved. And also had a bit of a reservation, which was, ah, where does the show go from here? Can it mm. maintain this pace? Because for me, three was just a standalone masterpiece and couldn't really see how by following the beats of the game, it would be able to command that same level of, of excellence all the way through. Mm. And I have to say now, in hindsight, with it, with it sitting in the rearview mirror a bit, I can say, yeah, it, it, it didn't really go beyond episode three for me. Okay, so you draw the line at three. For, for me, uh, I see. I think it is an earlier peak and it's not a, a fully crescendo season of TV. Mm. Uh, but for me, it was this episodes one through five was probably one of the best runs in terms of pace. Yeah. Uh, in in the history of HBO, yeah. any show. So, you know, for me, that's like I look at those five, which could be a standalone miniseries mm. in themselves, and mm. you could end there at the end of episode five, the end of Kansas City. Yeah, and actually call that a season of television, which could, with just those five, go down as one of the best ever. And that that reminds me a bit of Chernobyl, because we're talking about Craig Mazin, right, who's, right. who's involved with both. Wasn't Chernobyl something like five episodes or six or something Yeah, it like was that? a miniseries, definitely. Yeah. Five, six, yeah, definitely it, not more than six. It's That really, like, that was a series that did not overstay its welcome whatsoever. Right. Every episode was crucial, everything had, had 
kind of weight to it. Yeah. There were some episodes of The Last of Us where you definitely came away thinking, all right, this was a this was a filler episode, you know? Yeah. For me, it's two seasons in one, and I found myself uh, watching those. Uh, this might also be because I was able to binge the first four to get yeah. caught up, right? Yeah. So I might be, that might be a bit of bias there. But I found myself on the final four episodes not as engaged, yeah. uh, no, maybe reaching for my phone even yeah. cardinal sin uh, yeah. a couple times whereas with the other ones i was full on i was feeling things it was an incredibly physical mm. uh, experience to watch now those final four still better than nine out of ten shows in, in any given moment don't mm. get me mm. wrong uh, but i definitely think we peaked at five yeah i think it's between three and five isn't it yeah but interesting about the dual screening on the on the phone thing because i was the exact same i had like a bad problem towards the end of kind of listening in the background and right. listening to see if the characters were up to much and then if so i would look up right yeah. but i do think that it sounds like that's a failing on my part but i do think it's a bit of failing of the show as well that, well if we both did it yeah and i, I think especially in episodes like six seven eight its treatment of your time was very relaxed, I found. And that's a bit rich coming from a, a podcast that is about postulating. <laughs> Hour long. <laughs> yeah. But I think, in, in, seriously, the the urgency with which it was progressing was sometimes crazy breakneck. And sometimes it was like, yeah, so now we're going to spend uh, 10 minutes with this campfire and just let the characters chill there for a while. So it, I didn't necessarily feel like my attention was needed all the time because I was like, well, you let me know, show, when you're back on track because yeah. it seems like you're just chilling right now. It, it, it felt kind of like, uh, pulling the handbrake a bit of like oh we've gone too fast the first five mm. it, it felt kind of like if you have like a, a young athlete that you know just bursts onto the scene has a great you know first three years of their career breaking all the records yeah. and then they kind of say uh, slow it down a bit we mm. want you to to get to, to age 40 and the guy's like well I'm just hitting my prime earlier like put yeah. me on the field and they're like no yeah. no 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 just you know go on the bench now it's time to pay your dues mm. after yeah. he's kind of already proven himself yeah. Uh, so it'd Tough. be like uh, Mr. Pep Guardiola putting Erling Baut Holland on the bench now, just saying, and you've gone too fast. And wouldn't that be classic Pep? But <laughs> in any case, I think we're in for a treat with season two. And knowing again what's coming, it'll be fantastic. It'll be more of the same, or if not better. I'm un- unhappy about the wait that's coming. We have to wait about a year, a year and a half until season two. I yeah. think it was end- easily yeah. 12 months. Right? I think it was end 24 that it'll be ready. And sometimes shows can come like one one year at a time, go, go, go. But when they've been greenlit for more than one season. The, the issue here is that until the first episode aired, they actually hadn't greenlit the second season. They, ah, wanted, okay. to, they wanted to actually see the audience reaction, not just the the finished product, but how, how people reacted to it. And mainstream success is, is obvious, but uh, wow. yeah. yeah. So we will get it and it'll start Bella Ramsey again and, and uh, Pedro Pascal but it'll just take another two years to, to be so made so N24 is what they're targeting yeah. now I think they're talking yeah and after delays and what have you after another pandemic who knows uh, we wow. could be talking uh, early 25 who knows but so I, I, what I've decided basically is that I'll put it to the back of my mind I'll maybe play through the game again you know get get my enjoyment of the story that way but I'm not going to hold my breath for season 2 anytime soon all right. Well, there you have it. That's The Last of Us. And now uh, you can uh, you can all get caught up and rewatch as much as you want, because apparently you're going to have to wait two years to see the next season. Yeah, you can dive right back in in full depth or go even better, go play the games, because those are especially mm. the second one, a 25 hour, 26 hour experience. We're talking here wow. where the okay. emotional moments are more peppered through an action game rather than just given to you one after the other, which is what the series was. Right. So I, again, one more time, have to recommend the uh, the games. Really, really good. OK. Yeah. OK. What, what do you play that on? That was on the PlayStation. The 
PlayStation, the PS4 <laughs> okay. or PS5. Yeah. Okay, I think they're Fair exclusive enough. actually, or at least the the first one is just coming out on PC now. But up until recently, they were fully PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. Okay, look at that. All right, great. So from one HBO series, The Last of Us, mm. we go to another. Yeah. Uh, which you may say, huh? That's not an ending because it's actually starting uh, again, uh, up again in a few days. So next Sunday, Succession season four will be officially the last season of succession that is and that news when we heard that was the most reassuring piece of news we could have heard about how good this season will or won't be mm-hmm. we we talked a lot for the for the loyal listener who'll know we talked a lot in our predictions episode that we and particularly you weren't actually too bullish on succession uh, no, being a great season coming it. up and there was even i think a trailer around that time if not soon after which was also a little bit concerning or it didn't quite strike many of the usual uh, beats that it, <laughs> yeah. that it is so easily does usually i think we've both had a change of view since then but what's your uh, what's your latest take so my latest take is uh so my original prediction was we're just stringing this thing along too much and uh, we've probably gone a season too long um and i think we both kind of agreed there was but before any rumors were there that this could be the last season of succession for better or worse then Jesse Armstrong gave his interview to the New Yorker. He called it. Uh, they're they're ending on a high, and that kind of led me to okay. If they know it's the last season, they're gonna pull out all the stops to keep us all engaged, and we're all gonna be super engaged regardless because of it being the last season. Uh, that that kind of got me to rethink that we we could be in for for quite a treat. Um, and on top of that, I love when this happens. I love when somebody absolutely kills it. And then they decide they end on top, right? 100%. It's actually increasingly rare these days. There's very few franchises I can point to where I can say not only did they finish, you know, on in good time, they finished well ahead of any degradation of quality. There's very, I think most seasons, even the even the top classics, and we've mentioned The Wire many times, but same with The West Wing, same with all those, those heavy hitters inevitably the later seasons are the ones that start to suffer so for me succession is is quite a reassuring one because uh, up until now seasons one two three it's always been or it's always felt like a statement piece from jesse armstrong where he's doing it not for the money not because it's popular because he has something that he actually wants to say with it and it deciding to end him deciding to end it now when he does is actually very reassuring to me because it tells me that he has found something to say with this season and it is also his concluding statement for the piece, for, mm. for Succession. It ends the arc of the whole show. So I'm super excited, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and what what brilliant timing. We just talked about The Last of Us, but like HBO with a scheduling miracle on their hands, where just Unreal. when people are considering cancelling after finishing The Last of Us, they reel you back in with Succession. It's amazing. They've, uh, they've just hit the nail on the head in, in so many different ways. Uh, HBO. I mean, we love HBO. We've, we've sung their, their praises so much on the show. Uh, as the loyal listeners will know, uh, that it's uh, it's really amazing uh, what they're Phenomenal doing. stuff. But we had a we had some thoughts on the upcoming season back uh, in December when we recorded our predictions yeah. episode, and I had one in particular that I'm happy to start by throwing out again just to see how it lands a few months removed from that. I had the the postulation that this was going to be Greg's season. 
Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg was going to, as he did at the end of the last season, you know, sold his soul, partnered up with the devil. And I thought, yeah, it's going to be Greg centered. Now, I actually am going to take that back. I'm going to overturn that prediction because mm. I've now watched the trailers and he doesn't really feature too heavily. And I feel like if if there was a masterstroke coming where he had some very pivotal role to play, they would at least reference it somehow. They would show, hey, remember this guy? Remember what he did at the end of the last season? I think they might have actually gone in a completely different direction. And I don't know if Greg will even feature that heavily anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, just wow. from just from the trailers, because it's the siblings are in it like 80% of the time. And then you get the classics, you get uh, Skarsgård, you know, you, you get kind of some Is of the Skarsgård more... Skarsgård back? Yeah, he's in yeah. Skarsgård Jr. Confirmed, yeah, yeah. Do we and get I, Adrian Brody back? If we do he's only for like a second in the trailer maybe uh-huh. but he didn't leave him an impression on me but Skarsgård uh, is going to be the actual main antagonist I think of the season okay I didn't like I didn't really like him too much in it yeah. last season I don't really rate him as an actor I would have mm-hmm. loved had him and Adrian Brody been flipped and we got a lot more screen time with Adrian True. and I mean it's now a trope isn't it the tech bro, evil tech bro thing we talked right. about where you know between Knives Out and all the other films even Social Network when that was made this thing of like the tech bro as a villain is now becoming almost a bit trite or a bit overplayed. It's so, very, it's for yeah. our generation as cliche laden as the investment banker was for the Gordon yeah. Gecko generation. Indeed, indeed. So I think uh, not a huge fan if they lean on that one too heavily. Mm. Then again, he knows what he's doing, Jesse Armstrong. He doesn't need our uh, input on it. But you had a, a few thoughts as well, Nicola, on what uh, or, what, or more, more accurately, who are going to come out on top. Yeah. But, but back to you in terms of landing the plane on that. If it's mm. not going to be Cousin Greg. Yeah. Well, who? Yeah. Who will make it? I think there is a... What we all want as an audience is for Logan to get his comeuppance, right? But mm. I think Jesse, Jesse's kind of key point that he's going to land is that, nah, right. in this world, in this multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire world, there are no good guys and bad guys. There's power and there's winning and there's losing and Logan wins. He does not lose. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to be strung along through the whole season and we think the siblings are going to finally yeah. you know, get something done yeah. or you know, take over the company. The show is called Succession, so it's about who's going to take over the company. And I think somehow, one way or another, Logan will just decide, actually, I would rather self-destruct this company than, uh, than give it. Yeah, something like that. That's yeah. my that's my top of the head. Uh, I think that's the one, and I think anything short of that would be a bit of a lazy off ramp mm. uh, to to actually have, let's say, one of the kids getting the succession. So I think mm. Logan, but I'm gonna throw this out there for you together with Tom, who already mm. kind of won the last season. Yeah, um, they're just gonna make this odd couple that uh, that runs the show. Tom is such an interesting one. I think. Uh, Hoping we see even more of him this season. He's been such a great character yeah. in the last couple of seasons. And, but, and great yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, British accent. British. Uh, yeah. yeah. Always accent. big respect for those yeah. uh, convincing American actors. Yeah. Or uh, accents, I should say. Yeah. But so we both feel uh, we both feel Logan. I think yeah. we both feel Logan in terms of the character. But now if we look at the whole arch of succession, who do you think has won career-wise? Real people now. Who comes out... Mm shooting star for the next years who's set up for compounded success after this right so not who peaked at succession Mm. because i think we'll probably have plenty of those because this is a an all-time pantheon show and we'll probably get to ranking it in that pantheon but yeah yeah. very tough because the first person who comes to mind kieran culkin is actually Mm. more than likely the point you just mentioned someone who peaked because i can't see him being cast in anything else 
a bit like the Christoph Waltz discussion, he is him. He is playing a playing a very amped up version of himself in Succession, and it's phenomenal. And he's he's even his improvising is great because he's improvising around Absolutely. himself, right? And I've seen him also in at least a couple of other things. Obviously, Home Alone, where he, when he was a young child, but also uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He shows up in that for quite a bit. He and was in Home Alone as. As the, one of the little brothers. One of the little brothers. And yeah, that's true. You, you see him most notably drinking uh, Coke or eating pizza in yeah. the opening scenes, you know. He's not up to much in the movie, but the key, he was also like six or seven, so yeah. I'm not going to hold that against him. But uh, more, he was also in Scott Pilgrim uh, as an adult, you know, um, right. where he was also playing basically Kieran Culkin. So maybe this is an unfair accusation that I level at too many actors, but at the same time, I think he's going to struggle to find something to really pull him far away from that niche that he's now known for, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. I also was going to say on this, in the same breath that Jeremy Strong may have actually done more of a disservice to his career here. And the main reason for that is he's built up a terrible reputation over the last few seasons of Succession for being someone who takes it a little bit too seriously. He hasn't had great PR, that's for sure. Almost, and he does it to himself because he's, like there's long articles that have been written about him with his agreement, you know, where mm, he's been profile. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm, I'm referencing where he, as much as anyone, it does a great job of just sullying his own name, basically, where he's like, yeah, so what I like to do is I sit for three hours in the trailer and then I do my scene. You know, like yeah. he's incredibly intense. And of course, that has led to some great performances. But were I a casting director or a director or whatever, which I'm for sure never going to be, but, you know, let's let's just postulate here. I would definitely think twice about pulling someone like that in because he sounds like an absolute handful. And just not a team player at all. And, not somebody who's Brian here to... And Brian Cox has, has said as, as much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, Brian Cox, I mean, he can hardly go much higher, but he's someone who has done nothing but uh, a service to his career. But uh, those, were my, those were my thoughts. I struggled to pick out somebody particularly... Um, on their on the on the rise funny enough but uh, what about you so on uh, on jeremy strong i agree with you i don't know if the acting chops are there um and i don't say this because of succession but mm. i recently watched uh him in this film called armageddon time which came out last year mm. and it just seems like yes he gets very much into roles but to this borderline overacting Mm. Where it's like you almost feel while you're watching the film, man, you might be trying too hard. Yeah, kind of cringe almost. Yeah, yeah. kind of cringe almost. Yeah. And it's one thing the cringe in Succession because Succession yeah. is all about the cringe, right? Uh, but I don't really think that carries over too much. So I don't know if he's going to be, for sure he'll be around. He'll be around the next 20 years in Hollywood, whatever. Mm. But will he be a leading man in motion pictures? No. I don't think so. He, I think he'll have the same trajectory as like Jesse Eisenberg, kind of, you know, like great asshole character, mm. has his, his zenith as an asshole, you know, plays in, in the case of Eisenberg playing Mark Zuckerberg phenomenally. Yeah, but doing then, a lot of Woody Allen. Yeah, but then what has he really done acting-wise, you know, even as, a, has he ever played a nice guy ever in any film, Jesse mm. Eisenberg? And I think it'll be the same for Jeremy Strong, yeah. unfortunately. You, well, you can get pigeonholed quite easily. So yeah. you, you actually have to be the best of the best to avoid the pigeonhole yeah. and have versatility and range, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily think he's uh, he's there. I think yeah. Brian Cox, this is probably his curtain call, yeah. right? I mean, it'll be the biggest thing he ever does, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's and he was a well-respected actor, but borderline B-lister. Probably yeah. some of our uh, you know listeners from the British Isles will come for me yeah. on that one. That would but, be sacrilege, I think, to a yeah. few people, but yeah. 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 To the Scots especially. Absolutely. And you don't yeah. want to get the Scots angry. No. So They're angry enough as it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In general. Um, so, look, I think genuinely 
because most of us didn't really know her mm. until Succession. Mm. Sarah Snook, who yeah. plays Shiv Roy. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen her in a couple of films she's done in between the seasons of Succession, such as uh, she has a small role in Pieces of a Marriage mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. Uh, with um, what is her name? Amanda Kirby. Mm. Um and I, I really think she, she has the potential and the, and the range to, to go forward. Also, they're Australian actress, yeah. also pulling off the American accent. Amazing stuff. Yeah. She is one of the strongest, I think, performers on the show and has, I think, such a, a canniness and such an intelligence through how she, she, even she's one of those actresses that like says so much through just her facial expression, through a slight glance or look mm-hmm. or whatever. The ending of, of the last season where she realizes everything that's just happened with Tom is all done non-verbally. You know, the yeah. camera stays on her and you see her go through the, oh, oh my God, oh my God. You know, yeah. and she just portrays it ama- amazingly. So I think that takes some serious skills and I think she's one of the best from the show. Yeah. I actually haven't seen her in anything else though. So I'm hoping I get a chance to see her do something totally opposite, you know, just like yeah. what, take take on a new character, new new kind of vibe, new kind of performance. That'd be a- uh, And now she scene. should have the time to do it, right? So- uh, uh, You would think, yeah. yeah. And hopefully the, the phone should be ringing off the hook, you know? She's yeah, been, I would think so. And you know, exactly, it gets to this point which you and I always discuss about she makes me- feel something even though oftentimes i really don't like her character especially mm. in season three where they Lose really them, made yeah. her to yeah. be very unlikable yeah, yeah, yeah uh she makes me feel something constantly whereas uh kieran colkin he'll make me laugh it's yeah. great relief mm. but i'm not coming away you know feeling any very strong emotions toward him mm. Mm. i think that's fair i think she's probably as we've landed here she's probably the one with the highest uh Highest potential to go on to even greater things. Best actress awards in her future, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, If not uh, very soon. Yeah. Great stock. Great stock to buy. Now, while we're on succession, before Mm. we end on it, we talk about this being, you know, one of the best shows that have been on HBO, Mm. where we know there have been a multitude of other amazing shows. Do you put this up on that Pantheon or let's say that Mount Rossmore with what we take for granted are at least The Sopranos and The Wire? I can't say that yet is, is the quick answer. Because Gotta get, let it age. You ha- well, no, not even that. I need to see how they stick the landing because Fair the, point. the shows that I rank on the top ever, Sopranos, The Wire, even The West Wing a little bit still has a, a warm spot in my heart. You know, like- That's my third one. So and yeah, and uh, if you go back and pick any one episode of The West Wing and you show it to someone who hasn't seen it, you will find yourself saying, no, 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 actually it's really good though. It, it is really good. You know, like sometimes you do, like it it, it trips over its own intellect yeah. sometimes, but still I rank it up there. And because the arc that those shows took and okay, in the same breath, I will excuse the last two series of The West Wing, which I felt were, you know, a little bit. And it wasn't uh, Sorkin anymore, right? Exactly. So let's call it like the Sorkin West Wing and then The Wire and then uh, The Sopranos. Actually, Breaking Bad, I would put up there too, because of the arc, always because of the arc, because how they managed to take a story from episode one and land it beautifully, even knowing, as I do now, that, for example, Breaking Bad, they hadn't a clue how it was going to end. They didn't even know how the current season was going to end sometimes. Is that right? Yeah, when they started filming, it was all about just finding some thread. Like, for example, in season two of Breaking Bad, the, the, there's an opening shot of a teddy in a swimming pool, mm-hmm. right? And it's mysterious, and each episode opens with it, and they didn't know what it meant either when they were filming. Oh my god! They only found out halfway through the season. They were like, "Oh, it's from the plane that crashes when the right. you know." And they, literally, they they just picked no it way. and were like, "Yeah, they just go all in," and they they picked it as like, "This will be a motif. It'll mean something, and we'll find out as we go." Wow. So anyway, all that all that to say, Succession needs to stick the landing, and what I need to be able to do is look back at season one, two, three, four as this like arc thing. And be able to describe what is the the writer director saying with the piece, like what and how has he planned that out over mm. a long series? 
so I, I, I'm basically saying TBC. Let me TBC. Come, come back to me in 10 weeks or whatever. It is. Hypothetically, if she sticks the landing, Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. talk about it within those I think so. Shows. It's just yeah. insanely compelling. Like yeah. you, you start it and you're like, I don't get this. I don't like it. And then suddenly you're like, I need to watch every episode of this in the shortest amount of time possible. You know, it's just so fascinating and has so much to say. It's so contemporary, so modern, has a lot to talk about that. I think it's, uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And demands rewatches. I know quite a few people that in the lead up to a new succession season coming out, mm. go back and rewatch the previous seasons yeah. in depth. If like I had just time, binge through them. Yeah, yeah, had I time, I would probably go and do it other than having just spent all my time watching uh, The Last of Us. You know? Right, so exactly. I'm, I'm like just ready to go with this new season. But yeah, it's, uh, it is super rewatchable and a lot of, uh, quite dense. Like the script is very wordy. There's a lot of details to, to pick up on. So I think repeat watches actually lend itself well to it. But uh, yeah, just... Really hope he lands where I hope it lands, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And in light of that, actually, uh, I know you haven't been watching it, but Mm. last week, uh, the first episode of Ted Lasso Mm. season three dropped, which is widely rumored to be the final season of Ted Lasso as well. Very different type of show in terms of, if you say, you know, Succession is much more uh, taking a a cynical view of things. Ted Lasso is all about the positivity. It's almost as feel good of a show as you can have, but Mm. with the right level of depth. Um, So I've really enjoyed that. And that's been on Apple TV plus and Mm. there's, Apple TV Plus, I feel like also because it seems they're not constrained by a budget nor really care, yeah. has been able to just run these huge budget shows with all top, you know, Hollywood uh, A-listers for these past three years and just getting more and more. It's crazy. But Apple TV Plus, isn't Ted Lasso kind of their crown jewel right now? Like yeah, the- and that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Like That's been the one that has been the biggest hit, but I think because it's also the most broad-based. But there's been so much great stuff, even like miniseries like We Crashed in the last year. Yeah, you know? but it, this is the problem, right? I, there, I was just reflecting here, like, why have I missed Ted Lasso? Like, why have I just dodged every bullet of Ted Lasso that has come my way over mm. the years, right? And the reason basically is that I never got Apple TV+. Plus. But you have been, I think, the biggest proponent of Apple TV+. Plus. You've been saying this, great stuff on it, you need to get it. Mm. But I have to say, out in the world, out, out in you know, work and in, in meeting people randomly, nobody really talks about Apple TV Plus, no. or at least it's very low on the on the list, right? It comes mm. after Disney Plus even, it, to me. Yeah. People talk about Netflix, you got to get this, you got to yeah. watch that. But uh, I feel like I haven't seen enough to pull me towards Apple TV Plus yet, and therefore not that last one. I'll put it this way. Um, because, and probably part of it is relative to the fact that it originally had low expectations for Apple TV Plus, mm. but we take for granted that we need to have Netflix. Yeah, 100%. I would cut Netflix for Apple TV Plus right now. No joke. Yeah, I'm struggling to remember something I saw on Netflix that was actually good recently. Like, honestly, in the last month, I cannot think of a single thing that Maria and I watched on Netflix. I'm struggling here, yeah. Some, and then when, when there is something, it's like... Uh, a little documentary about uh, an athlete or something yeah. that, uh, that I queue up while I'm on a plane. And like they they always have some kind of marquee thing that they're pushing hard. There was the Edgar Allan Poe thing actually, uh, reference back to episode one there, but uh, there was With the Edgar Allan Poe. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it got amazing uh, publicity. It was being plastered all over Netflix, but yeah. as soon as you Google it and you look at the IMDb score and it's like 5.5 or, <laughs> you know, that's all I need. I'm like, okay, I'm absolutely not watching it. Another crap Netflix show. So, and a few know. months before that, it was the same thing with that Ryan Gosling movie, yeah. that action movie, which was plastered on every city bus 
all over the world. Exactly. Did the same thing you did. Looked it up and I was like, no chance. Yeah, you I'd rather rewatch that. Sopranos on HBO. Yeah, because there's plenty else out there, you know. So it actually takes quite a lot. It takes some serious reviews for us to actually press play. Yeah. And it takes even more for us to stick with it because we have to also then like it, you know. Yeah, and here we are both still having Netflix. I mean, why do I still have forever? Netflix? Yeah. Because it was the first one. And I think we just, we feel we would lose something and... Even the yeah. catalog, to be honest with you, no, it's, it's not like just going into the back catalog of films. Mm, mm. Now that the others are claiming back their original content, isn't that good anymore? It's vanishingly small, yeah. And then each month I see like, oh, catch it now before it goes. And I'm like, why is it going? Jeez, like mm. this is just panicking me more, you know? Yeah. I watched a few things just before they, before they left. I think Requiem for a Dream was being taken off in January, so I had to watch it then, you know? But like... That moves to HBO now, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I caught it just in time. But, <laughs> right. And then again, the only thing, the reason I'm still watching it actually is Drive to Survive, I just remembered. So the the Formula One uh, documentary. So right? you need one week a year. Basically, basically yeah. Because right? as soon as that ends, and the only other thing I would miss is the uh, Hayao Miyazaki movies, the Studio Ghibli uh, Japanese uh, films, which are only on Netflix and very hard to find otherwise. And you, you just can't see them any other way. So I would... I would miss the opportunity to to go back and rewatch some of those. Those are fantastic. But yeah. other than that, I'm like, yeah, I could, I would be fine, you know? I think there's something there also of, is part of what we really enjoy with these uh, drops from HBO, or in my case, also Apple TV Plus, mm. that it, it in a way you go back to having the one episode a week, which then you can go in depth on and discuss. Whereas yeah. Netflix, it's like, 10 episodes right away. Actually, that's the last thing we watched on Netflix. I think it was in the autumn was the new season of The Crown. That's like like a quarter ago. But what I didn't like about that was that it dropped 10 episodes right away and we basically binged it in a weekend. What's up? Why do you think Netflix are doing that intentionally? Like they must have some data to support. Well, that was what they kind of, right, revolutionized in a way the the industry Hmm. with. Hmm. Uh, it It was all about the binging. There may be psychological aspect where if you binge something super quick on there hmm. you're gonna look for the next thing to binge in the same place yeah i get. didn't they declare war on sleep or something like that recently they they basically said uh netflix wants to be in front of your eyes as much as possible at the expense of everything else including sleep yeah. like they want you to to be binging all the way through yeah. into bedtime you know reed hastings said their number one competitor is sleep yeah yeah that, yeah you were saying that's yeah. dark man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's it's crazy though because as you say you lose the marquee-ness of it each week where we've been coming into work every monday or tuesday and being like hey who saw the last of us you know right whereas when drive to survive came out i've been checking in with people saying hey have you watched it yet and some people are like yeah i'm on like the one uh, about magnuson or i finished the one about this and that but you you don't have a touch point where you can both say hey did you see that moment last night you know so I think um, as much as I enjoyed it early on, like when House of Cards was coming out and it just dropped season one and it was immense. The, the original, actually. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool when it when it was just like out of nowhere and right. amazing. But now when it's like, okay, the whole new season's here, it's dropped, you know? You're just like, okay, should I watch it all now? Or, you right. know, like I, I have trouble kind of pacing it myself even. And yeah, I, right. I don't know. I think I, I actually- Give me some structure. Yeah, I actually prefer yeah. the HBO thing right now, which, which is like, yeah. here you go. Here's your one episode. I know many people are complaining about that too, but all the same, I think it's a, it's a winner. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what we've touched upon, uh, Ted Lasso, which is a show about a football in, uh, on this side of the Atlantic or soccer on the other side of the Atlantic- mm. 
uh, there's something that you and I haven't discussed in a while because it's yeah. been a, it's been a sore uh, a sore point. You know, it's been like uh, interchanging who's annoyed about it exactly. at any given time. And that is FPL Fantasy Premier League, yeah. which uh, it's your debut season. And uh, last I checked, I think you have a nine point lead on me. Yeah. at the moment, scraping by this uh, week. Yeah, which and, is a rough uh, one. Yeah. And yeah, and that's also coming to an end. You know, in the next uh, in the next two months. So it is. How do and you feel? I broadly speaking, I'm delighted with having taken part because I don't, I still don't watch football. Like I <laughs> literally, uh, I made the joke to my brothers over the, when I saw them last that like the names on my team, if you put their faces in front of me, I literally don't know who's you can't who. can't even match them. I can't name the players or I can't put a face to the name. I just know that they're really good with points. Like I'm like, Martinelli, you gotta have him. I don't know what the guy looks like. Uh, and then of course I'm following the discussions online and the trends, whatever, but this is what I love. Like playing a game like that, where it's all about good decision-making data with a bit of gut feeling, bit of luck involved. Uh, long-term planning is rewarded very well in FPL. So like it's uh, it's been super fun and I'm almost sad that it's ending. I'm going to miss it when it's over. It's been replaced a bit by Fantasy Formula One, but this year that thing is an absolute disaster right leave it i'm i'm super annoyed with it and so, not as many levers and right as fewer, much jeopardy especially because they messed up the pricing so uh, aston oh, okay. martin and alonso and stroll are too cheap so everyone has them and they're yeah so it, it you can't really win anyway right. like you all just have to have the same team so it's really boring but uh, fpl not at all it's like fantastic pricing structure that changes constantly and just a lot of variables hundreds of players so it's just uh fantastic yeah. so yeah. i'm loving it despite not watching football i'm not really caring much yeah. about football at all yeah it's uh, listeners. You can imagine my uh, frustration uh, at the fact that uh, I actually watch a lot of Premier League, uh, and I'm uh, points behind Neil. And it's not my debut season. And it could, it could even if I lose to Neil, end up being one of my best season point tallies <laughs> yeah, ever. Sorry about that. Um, and then you always hear, you'll listen to some of these FPL podcasts, and they'll say. Yeah, yeah, all the data you want, but you gotta, you gotta have the eye test. You gotta catch a bit of the match, or nope. at least the highlights. Neil is defying everything. He is part of this new breed yeah. that plays the fantasy game of a sport he doesn't even care about. You don't need to watch it. It's literally a numbers game. It's they might as well be called like uh, random inanimate objects. Like it, it, it would still be an interesting game for me. You know, it's it's unbelievable. I like uh, chapeau to you. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope to still beat you. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's that's it. I'm, I am flabbergasted by this this I, trend. I think get used to it. Don't get used to losing to me, but get used to fantasy sports occupying more and more of your your brain because I really think these things are here to stay. Yeah. And the better the game is designed, like FPL now has ten years of history, so it is really sharp. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I know for the Formula One one is is quite bad right now, but fantasy tennis, fantasy golf, like bring it on. I'm yeah. I'm ready to go. I would happily play those too. All they need is some competent developers and designers to actually make the thing compelling, yeah. have the server capacity to make it work well. You know, and I think you'll just attract more and more and more people yeah and, and it's yeah yeah go ahead i was gonna say just maybe i will start watching football if if like if it does give me an edge in it i it might that's your gateway that's crazy yeah. yeah like that's uh unbelievable and it's funny you say that because actually we used to play uh a lot of fantasy uh nfl when i was in high school mm. uh, in the u.s i actually spend more time 
on fantasy FPL now mm. than I did as a high school student who had nothing better to do. And yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and you well, found, and, yeah. yeah. But no, it's insane. But like, uh, it can be all encompassing. There's so much content creators out there. I'm glad we didn't, when we were deciding to start a podcast, I'm glad we didn't decide to be an FPL podcast because I think that is like uh, an nah. uphill battle right now. There's Definitely. just so many out and there. They're good, those guys. Like, they're. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying well, you're better, apparently. But yeah. the only downside is that it kind of. Um, funnels everyone towards the same basic team right that right we've we've all got the template now as it's called and yeah. we're we differentiate only on two or three players and that's kind of boring as well but it's still fun i like it yeah well there you have it we've covered endings uh, on tv and ended up talking about uh, fpl we're gonna take a break now and we're gonna come back with one final parting shot Welcome back, listeners. We wanted to uh, to end this episode. We got the the news just uh, less than a week before the the release of this that Lance Reddick uh, sadly passed away uh, at the age of sixty. Only Lance Reddick, who any Wire fans will know as uh, as Lieutenant Cedric Daniels, who then you know goes all the way up to becoming Commissioner Cedric Daniels. Uh, and he's actually uh, after Al Brown two months ago, who played Valchik, and uh, well, Michael K. Williams, who played Omar, uh, passing away two years ago. Uh, we're we're losing a lot of this. Uh, the Wirecast Neil and I have been huge fans uh, of of the show, and uh, we just wanted to uh, to pay our respects to. Uh, to Cedric Daniels here, to uh, to Lance Reddick. Yeah, I think as as what we're quickly becoming like a part time wire podcast. Basically, we uh, we it would only be right, I think, to to check in. But also, I think at least for me, and I think for you as well, this was a character who kind of went beyond a bit the average. Like he 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 was someone who stuck in your mind, not just because of he was a compelling character, but also because he was just so brilliantly portrayed and so memorable. He's one of the few that that I think anyone who's watched the show will instantly remember. We talk about. Lieutenant Daniels, you know? Absolutely. He, uh, now this is slightly cringe on my part. I'm just going to put it out there no matter, regardless. Particularly for me, when I started watching The Wire, it would have been years and years before I really started my professional career or anything like that. But he would have been an example of someone whose leadership and his management, genuinely, I was looking to and thinking like, holy F, that is like how you do it, right? He leads the team, in, especially in season one, in such a way and now I'm really commending the writing more than the acting, but still, I think there was a something Lance added to it yeah. here where it combines this level of incredible standards that he holds everyone to and massively driven by values above all else while still being a nice guy, by, like treating everyone with respect. And, and you know, so basically I think it, it kind of stuck with me. And as I said, I'm flagging, this is massively cringe. I don't mean to, uh, I'm not trying to say that it's, uh, you know, very very cool what i'm talking about here but i do think it's one of those things where it stuck with me beyond just a show beyond just a an actor it was like a, a character who really stuck with me and resonated with me so definitely wanted to reference and give a, a final shout out to, to lance for that yeah absolutely and i think what you said really resonates with with lance reddick uh with cedric daniels in the in the case of the wire it was really all about the the leadership style right mm. and having this balance between uh, the the interchange of loyalty demanding it and giving it mm. but at the same time 
having those values and challenging anybody that that would step closer onto them. And I think mm. what that did was it got him the respect of this ragtag bunch, which yeah. he inherits in the first season, right? Uh, and uh, and what allowed him to uh, to make a career without actually. Uh, having to compromise too much on his own principles yeah and uh, i mean no spoilers I, I suppose it's a bit late now to, to it's only 20 anyone. years exactly so i'm not i don't feel bad for spoiling anything but it's it's ultimately his values that lead to his his end or his downfall right so or at least his his leaving of his of his role and and leaving behind what he's done so i just think it's a beautifully written character all the way through it has a great arc as we talked about earlier but I have to say, it would all be for nothing if it wasn't for the acting, for the for the work that Lance Reddick did, bringing that character right. to life, making it believably stoic, believably unique in some ways. And also then you believe things like his marriage falling apart. It, it, it fits with this character because it's fully formed. The character has is multifaceted like he is, you know, or was, I suppose. So it's... Uh, a real shame I think and it's also a shame that we didn't see more from him throughout yeah. his career I think he he we talked just a, before now we talked about how he played a big role in the Destiny games right. Destiny 2 in particular there's the been John a huge, movies yeah there's a few there's a few niche kind of areas where he's really shone and garnered a lot of support actually in the background here and again I haven't experienced much of those either suffice to say basically I wish I saw more of him out there um, yeah. whether it was in games or movies or TV or what have you absolutely absolutely so big loss uh you know thoughts to 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 the whole family and uh pour some out rest in peace lance reddick thanks for everything he was good police natural police we'll leave you with that listeners and see you next week